welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a little bit warm in here, isn't it? And uh, let's make a bargain, let's make a deal right at the beginning, no sleeping. And uh, so if you sleep, I'll shout and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll wake you up. If you see me looking at someone like for a long period of time, you know they've fallen asleep. So all eyes will be on you this morning. It's um, great to be with you, great to be, to be back, to be sharing with you fresh this morning. Can you believe it's been four weeks since I preached and some of you are saying, thank you, Jesus. We had four weeks off from you. And if you've got your Bibles, you want to open up at Genesis chapter 22. We've, uh, in fact, we've got some friends with us this morning, Marcus and Sean from Now Church in uh, Worksop in Yorkshire. And uh, they're leading, lead pastors of a church over there and uh, repurposing that church and doing an amazing job. So make sure you go and say hello to them afterwards, encourage them. And it's great to have you with us. Uh, we're in, uh, right in the throat of uh, a series called More Than a Name. And the idea behind the series that we're in at the moment is that we're looking at the names of God that are attributed to God. And we're discovering that, that while God's given multiple names throughout Scripture, they're not just names, they reveal something of His nature, who He is. And uh, I've been called many things. <laughs> My name uh, is, is Samuel Jewardon. Uh, I am called Father to some. Two, to be precise, just in case. <laughs> just, just in case there are more kids out there that start calling me Father, you know, it's in that kind of church. And uh, I'm called husband to one. <laughs> Just clarifying that as well. And uh, I, I should imagine around your dinner table, I've been called many things. As you've had roast preacher for dinner after a Sunday. And uh, there, are, there are many things that represent the different functions that I have. And throughout scripture, God's given different names that represent something different of his nature. And so as we're looking at these names, here's what we're discovering. That we're discovering afresh the nature of God, who God is. So it's not just an exercise of going through a few names. Actually, it's discovering afresh who God is. And here's what our prayer is as a church, that as we do that, that you would discover, maybe some of you for the first time, as we look at these names, the nature of God. And uh, so it's cool. We're looking at this morning, we're looking at a name of God called Jehovah Jireh, which means God's my provider, the Lord provides. Um, I'm so thankful God provides in so many ways. Are you? Uh, and I want us to, to journey in this morning to a story where this, this name is attributed to God for the first time, Genesis chapter 22, and discover that God is, is not just the God who provides by name, it's his nature, he wants to provide for us. Uh, a few months ago, a while ago, um, we decided, me and Rachel were hungry, and we decided we wanted a KFC. You know when you get those KFC cravings? This was way back before I discovered my body was a temple. This is like last month. And uh, we decided we want a late, late night KFC snack. And so Rachel went out to, to forage for us. And she went to, to KFC. She pulled in. She went through the drive-thru. And we ordered just something light, uh, we, you know, because it's all, it's all light from KFC, isn't it? Uh, just some fried chicken. That's all. And uh, just some fried greasy chicken and just a, a meal each. And so she came back and she opened up the bag. And for, but when she walked through the door, I thought something was suspicious because the bag was large. There's this huge bag. And I looked at her thinking, man, I thought, you, I thought we were only ordering a couple of things. And she, and she said, oh, no, I did. I just ordered what we, what, what we asked for, just a meal each. And so she opened up the bag to find out we'd been given a feast. 
I don't know whether this was a car before her, the car after her, but they had ordered so much food. I think they were having a KFC party and they invited the neighbors in the street round. We're going to eat as much chicken as possible. And she opened it up and she looked at me as if to say, oh, I'm going to have to take it back. And I just looked at her and said, Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh. Who are we? Who are we, Rachel, to turn down the blessing of the Lord? I wish I could stand up here today and said she took it back and did the right thing. We ate all, all of it. Every single bit. And I went to bed with a full stomach that night saying, in my sleep, Jehovah Jireh is my provider. And here's the crazy thing. There are so many ways in my life when I look back at how God's provided for me in different ways. Silly illustration, I know. But I think God wants to do more for us than act like Amazon in our life. You know, we live in an Amazon generation where you don't have to put much effort in to order your, the thing for, you, for it to be delivered to your door. Just, just a, a few seconds, just a click of a button, and, and the next day, your parcel arrives. And I think sometimes we can carry that into our relationship with God, that we expect God to act like Amazon. That we'll put in the minimal effort required, and we'll get it delivered straight to our door. I found, I don't know about you, as I live life with God, that's not how God works. That God cares for our every need. He watches over us. He wants to provide for us. But it actually wants us involved in the provision. And there's a process that we walk for provision. And in Genesis chapter 22, it, it really it, it instructs us in this process and in this way. It's a story of two key biblical figures, especially in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, the father of a nation. And, and Abraham and Sarah, they've been together for years, but they, they can't have any children. And for those of you who've read the story before, you'll know that an angel of the Lord comes to them and says, look, look, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have a child, Isaac, in your old age. Listen to this. Abraham is 99 when they have this kid. And you thought you were old when you had your children. Uh, uh, he's 99 years old. This is a child in their old age. This is a miracle from God. Sarah's been barren. She's not been able to have children. This is a miracle from God. God's provision is Isaac to, to Abraham and Sarah. And right in the middle of them enjoying what God's done to them, here's what God does. God messes with them. And there are four things that I want us to, to discover about the process of God's provision through the story of, of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. Starting at verse 1 in, in chapter 22, here's what God says to Abraham. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to, him, said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. This is the child of promise. This is the son of promise. Take that son and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him. There is a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Talk about a curveball coming out of nowhere. For Abraham and Sarah, as they've, as they've waited their whole life to have a child, and now this child comes along, and as they're enjoying the benefits of the promise, this, this beautiful child that they've been given, God comes to Abraham and he says, here's what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to sacrifice that son to me. Crazy ask, right? Some of you are like, no, not that crazy. They can have mine. <laughs> 
God can have my kids. Get them out of here. That's a crazy ask. And we learned that, that actually there's, an, there's the origin of provision. Point number one in your notes, if you've got the Version app, you can get them on the live events, the sermon notes for this morning. Point number one is this, there's an origin to provision. And the origin, the birthing place, the starting place for provision is usually this, it's usually test. It's usually a test. It says sometime later, God came to Abraham as he's minding his own business, as he's enjoying his life, as he's enjoying all that God's given him. And it says that he tested Abraham. He tested him. That the starting place, when I look back in my life, some of the great moments of God's provision have started, have been birthed in a test. A season of testing. And God asks a lot of Abraham. 1 Peter verse uh, chapter 1 verse 7 says this, these trials, is what Peter says to the Christians, he says, these trials will show your, your faith is genuine. That's what the testing's for, to show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, through your, though your faith is far more precious than gold. In fact, the Hebrew word that's used for, for testing is masah, and it means this, it means to prove. So here's what God's doing for Abraham at the starting place of provision. Is he says, I'm going to put your faith to the test. I'm so thankful that things are tested in this life, aren't you? I'm so thankful they're tested. I'm so thankful that the plumbing in your house, hopefully it was tested. Hopefully the electrics in your house were tested. Otherwise, you're going to have a shocking time this afternoon when you go home. Sorry too far. I'm so glad when, I, when you buy a new sofa, I'm so glad that that sofa's been tested. It's been sat on. I'm so glad when you buy a new car, before you sit in it and drive it, it's been tested. Because you know that if the things that you've got and been given, if they're subject to a test, you know that you can trust them. You know that you, as, you, as you engage with those things, that they've been proven. And here's what God does for Abraham. God, it says that God comes to Abraham and he wants to prove his faith. He wants to test his faith. Here's the God that we serve. He always wants to prove your faith. He always wants to put it to the test. And you say, well, that's mean. That's mean to put something to the test. Actually, when you've got a high aspiration for something, you want it tested. In other words, God's got a great plan for your life. And in order for it to be secured, he wants to test it. He wants to test you and me to see if we're ready for this thing. And here's the, the, the annoying thing about how God works in the origin of provision in the test, is that he never gives you specifics. Have you noticed that about God? It's irritating. And, and God says to Abraham, he says, here's what you're going to do, Abraham is you're going to leave where you are, and I want you to go to the region of Moriah. It's just a region. It's just out there somewhere. And he says, and, and I want you to take your son, Isaac, and I want you to take him to a mountain that I will show you. Now, if I was Abraham, and I do this regularly with God, when God gives me a general nudge, I say, God, could you be a bit more specific? Whereabouts in Moriah? Moriah's a big place. Where am I going? 
What mountain? A mountain you will show me. When will you show me? When will you show me the place? And here's what God does when he begins to move us into what he has for us and begins to prove and test our faith is he'll give you a nudge in a general direction. And he'll often say things like this, it's time to leave. It's time to move. But where am I going to go? I don't know. You'll know it when you see it. And here's what Abraham has to do. He has to go on a journey with no real idea where he's going to end up. And here's what God wants from you and me. When he gives us a little nudge and a little bit of, a little bit of direction, a little bit of leading, what will you do with the little leading that he's given you? Because in order to step into the next level of leading, you've got to do something with the leading he's already given you. Step out. Move. Go. In fact, the bigger the dream, the bigger the call, the bigger the test. And for Abraham, Abraham was going to be the father of a nation that all descendants were going to, all these descendants were going to be blessed. The nations of the world were going to be blessed through Abraham's seed. That's a big call. So no wonder God sent, sent a big test. And so if you're feeling like you're facing a test that's too large, too big, beyond you, there's probably a big call on your life. God's got big plans. As a church, we've got big dreams. Guess what that means? Big tests. Big tests. Has been, is, will be the test. Because God wants to prove you and me. There's an origin of provision. Number two, if you're taking notes, there's the journey of provision. There's the journey of provision. Verse number three says this. Abraham hears that. Here's what God's asking of him. Here's what verse three says. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up. And he loaded the donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in, a dist in the distance. See that? On the third day. He'd been traveling for three days before he sees the place. And he knows that's where God means. But he made the journey. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and will then come back to you. As Abraham's asked and he's, he's put to the test, it says the next morning he gets up and he begins to activate what he's been asked to do. And I look back in my life, I've been so hesitant at moments to act on what God's asked. And sometimes I procrastinate for a while, anybody else with me, before I move and before I act. What I love about Abraham is it says that Abraham the next morning got up and started making preparations. It says he got the donkeys ready, he got his servants ready, he got the wood ready. And sometimes, here's what we do. We sit down and we go, oh yeah, I know you asked that of me, God, but now you move again. You speak again. You chop the wood. You miraculously get the donkeys ready and put the saddles on the donkeys. And you, oh God, speak to two servants to come to me to help me on the way. That's not how God works. 
God will give you the nudge and God will give you the leading and God will give you the word. But you've got to get busy and you've got to move and you've got to activate some stuff. I wonder that morning as, as he's getting everything ready and Sarah comes out and she says, what's going on, Abraham? I wonder if he ever told her. I wonder how that conversation went. Oh, um, yeah, the, the thing is, Sarah, you know the son that we waited nearly all of our lives for. God wants me to sacrifice him. So off I go. That wouldn't have gone well. I imagine Abraham got up before Sarah did. And I imagine he chopped the wood. And I imagine he got the donkeys ready. And I imagine he secretly snuck up on his servants and said, Psst, come on, we're going on a journey. Don't tell Sarah. And I imagine that he got on the way because that just would not have ended well. But he got up. He got moving. I remember when, when uh, me and Rachel uh, felt like we should come back to, to Oswald Twistle, the epicenter of the universe. Yep, you know it. It's, it's actually been proven. It's the dead center of the world. Oswald Twistle, some of you will Google that afterwards. Good luck. And, and I remember feeling like, like we, were, we were called back. And I remember, I remember getting the scriptures. I remember feeling the leading of God. I remember that. But here's what God didn't do. God didn't give us any of the details. He just said, go back. And then we came back. And you know, all the excitement of the call of God can soon dissipate when you realize, what are we doing? What's going on? All we knew, God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for this area. That's all we knew. With a, with a handful of people. That's all we knew. And sometimes God will give you that. I remember coming back and the church got two for one. We had one wage and it wasn't a great wage between the two of us. We were involved in every ministry in the life of the church. Every ministry. Imagine me as a kids worker. Yep. I did it. Kids outreach down the local estate. First thing we did. Started, started meeting, started, started being involved in things. Every team we served on. To, to say that we were busy was an understatement. And then we had a kid on the way in the first year. Our first son. And you're going, you're going to God. God, you didn't tell me this. We didn't expect this. But you know what? When you get busy, so does God. And the provision of God is linked to your and my activity. When you get active, because you've got a leading of God, and God wants you to, to, to be His hands and feet in this world. When you start taking a step of faith at work, and when you start speaking to people about your faith, when you would have hidden it previously. And when you start inviting people, and when you start giving, and when you start giving of yourself to, to the church and to the community, guess what God starts to do? God starts providing. God starts leading. God starts orchestrating. God starts leading the way. It tells us that as Abraham and his servants, they're on the way to the mountain, to the region of Moriah, to a random mountain that God's going to show him at a specific time and a specific place. We know that that was three days' journey. Three days. Think about this on that journey. For three days, we don't, the scripture doesn't tell us God spoke to Abraham every day. From the moment God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son, it's three days before Abraham hears from God. That's a long time. 
when you've been asked for something great. Here's what I've discovered about God in the process, in the journey of provision. Here's what I've discovered, that often there'll be periods of silence where God's waiting to see what you'll do with what he said. And you're knocking on the door and you're praying more than you've prayed and you're reading the scriptures more than you've read the scriptures and it's like heaven's gone silent. But silence does not mean he's absent. That the teacher's often silent in the middle of the test because they're waiting to see how much you've learned. They're waiting to see how much is in you. And it says for three days, God goes silent. We know that he takes two servants with him. We know also that Abraham has around 318 trained servants in his household. His household is made up of around about 2,000 people. It's a pretty prosperous household, Abraham's. And yet he, too, he chooses just two servants for the journey. I think Abraham handpicked him. Because when you're going on a journey of provision, and when you're going to have to lay some stuff down, and when it's going to cost, you want to make sure you've got the right people with you on the journey. Because three days with the wrong people is a long time. It's a long time. And even when they get to the mountain, and God shows them where this mountain is, Abraham says to his two servants, now you stay behind. Because there are some places God wants to take you that only you can go. Because revelation with God often leads to separation. And I know you want people to go on the journey with you. And I know you want people to journey up the mountain with you. But they can't and they shouldn't. Because they won't understand. Because they've not heard what you've heard. They've not seen what you've seen. And so when separation comes, that's all right. Because when you're journeying up the mountain, you don't need too many voices. Where are we going? What are we doing? Are you sure? Shut up. We're on the journey. And he leaves them behind. There's a journey that we've got to go on. And then all of a sudden, Isaac, as he's journeying up the mountain with his father, he catches on. That leads us into point three, the cost of provision. The cost of provision. It says in verse six that Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his, uh, and said to his father Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's like the pennies dropping for Isaac. Like we've got everything we need for a sacrifice apart from the sacrifice. He says, we've got the wood, we've, we've got the stuff for the fire. Where is the burnt offering? Abraham answered, verse eight, God himself will provide the lamb. For the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Imagine what Abraham's dealing with at this point. He's carrying the weight and, and the knowledge and the understanding of what this is really going to cost. And Isaac has no idea at this point that up until this point in the story, he's the lamb. He's the sacrifice. 
He's the one that will be laid on the altar. It says in verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Love verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now, listen to this. Now I know that you fear God. Because, listen to this bit, this is important, underline it in your Bible. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You have not withheld from me your son. The most treasured possession Abraham had was his son. And he didn't even withhold that from God. Here's a key question for you and me. What are we withholding from God that he wants from us? What are we withholding? You have not withhold. Now we know 4,000 years ago, child sacrifice was commonplace. In the sacrifice of, of false gods and idols, it, it was common practice for people to sacrifice the children. And this is the first instance we have of the, the God of creation asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. And you could say, well, what kind of God would ask, would ask Abraham to sacrifice the son that he's been given? Actually, this isn't a story of sacrifice. This is a story of grace. Because God is distinguishing himself from amongst the other gods who follow through on the sacrifice. He's the one who's saying, no, I'm not that kind of God. This is a story of grace, of substitute, of the God who makes a way where there seems no way. If you're reading it through the lens of, oh, God's so mean and God's so hard. No, no, no. When you understand the end, you understand what God's doing. God's testing Abraham and he's walking him through a story of provision. But here's the thing. Abraham did not know in verse 1 that verse 11 was coming. We read the scripture with hindsight and knowing how the story ends. Abraham didn't. Abraham did not know when God said, sacrifice your son, that God was going to provide a different way. He didn't know. He was willing to pay the cost anyway. Because, and here's the, here's the, here's the key for you. Here's why. Because Abraham was more obsessed with the provider than the provision. If I'm, if I'm honest, in my own life, I think at times and at seasons, I've been more enamored by the provision than the one who provided it. Think about this. Up until this point, Isaac's been Abraham's provision. This is the one, your seed that will carry on and the nations of the world will be blessed through him, through him. Lay him on the altar. How, how could Abraham think about carrying through on that? Because he's more obsessed with what, who God is than what God gives him. The provider himself rather than the provision. And here's what he says in verse 12. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Here's what I've discovered. 
I want verse 12 stories without verse 1 cost. I want, I want a story of faith. I want a story of provision without journeying, without embracing the test. And Abraham is willing to walk through the journey. No wonder he's referred to as a hero of faith. Because he'll go through the process. He'll submit himself because he's obsessed with the provider, not his provision. As Abraham raises the knife on that mountain, as he's about to sacrifice his son, it says that he hears God calling him by name. Abraham, Abraham, don't sacrifice your son. You see, Abraham, as he stood there with the knife, he's obeying what God said. He's operating off an old revelation, an old word. But I bet he was thankful as he stood there with the knife that he wasn't just living his life based on an old revelation, but he was ready to receive new revelation from the God who wants to speak now. He could have, fall, he could have followed through with bringing that knife down based on a revelation he'd received. But God had something new. That God doesn't want to put new wine in old wineskins. God doesn't want to just return to the past. God doesn't want to just sing the same old songs when he's breathed on a new melody and new lyrics for his church to sing. Well, there's nothing wrong with the old. No, no one said there was. There's nothing wrong with the new either. And when God speaks to Abraham on the mountain, he speaks a new word. Well, God, in, in 1987, God said this. Well, maybe, just maybe, he wants to say a new thing. Maybe he wants to give you a new directive. Maybe he wants to give you a new vision. It's, it's funny being a, in a community like this that people will often say, you remember when we used to do that? Like with a sense of like tainted nostalgia. Not remembering that it was horrible. But, but somehow God used it and now we want to do it every, every season of every year. No, maybe God wants to do a new thing. Maybe God wants to stop a project and start a new one. Maybe God wants to birth a new vision. Maybe God wants to, to speak in and give you a directive that will lead you on to the blessings rather than following through and paying the wrong cost. So will we be open to hearing God, not just having heard God, but hearing God. That's great you've met with God. That's great God spoke with you back then. That's great you made a commitment to him, but he has something new to speak for you today. He has a new season to lead you into. He has a new direction. It's amazing how stale an old word can become. Unless God breathes on in afresh. And he gives him a new directive for his life. Abraham, don't kill your son. Don't bring that knife down. And the fourth thing as we finish is this. Band, if you want to come. And we'll get ready to finish. The fourth thing is this. The discovery of provision. The discovery of provision. It says this in verse 13. It said, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, are you ready? Jehovah Jireh. 
it wasn't just a name that he gave God. It was a place, a meeting place with God. That this place shall be called the Lord provides. Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it is said on that mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Think about this as Abraham and Isaac are journeying up the mountain. And Abraham's dealing with the pressure and the weight. He's the only one. He's the only one who knows what God really requires. And he's dealing with the strain and he's dealing with the pressure and he's dealing with the problem. And he's got to look his son in the eye as he walks up that mountain knowing that only one of us is probably coming down. And at the same time as Abraham and Isaac are walking up one side of the mountain, this is how I imagine it. I imagine God is encouraging a ram to journey up the other side. That as, as they're journeying up, as they're straining, as they're exerting energy, as they're dealing with the pressure, I imagine God is laying up a provision and a sacrifice, but it's unseen to Abraham's eye. And I felt as I was looking over this message this morning, here's what I felt like God wanted to say to some of you. You can't see it yet, but it's on its way. And in the problem, you're in the problem right now, but God's not just the God of the problem, He's the God of the solution. And He's Jehovah Jireh. And he's getting the people in place. And he's getting the finance in place. And he's getting it all assigned and ready at a place where nobody else can take it. Do you hear what the scripture says? The ram's caught up in the thicket. It can't go anywhere. God's custom designed it, custom made it. He's tied it up in a thicket. And it's going to be there for you to grab. But you don't get the ram if you don't journey up the mountain. And you've got to be willing, even in the unseen, to say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Take one more step. God, I trust you. Feeling the pressure. God, I trust you. Drowning in the problem. God, I trust you. Needing the breakthrough. God, I trust you. Because when you get to the place, that's what it says, when Abraham arrived at the place, the sacrifice was there. The provision was there and he discovered it for himself. And he shows that he's more focused on the provider than the provision itself. You are my provider, Jehovah Jireh. Hebrews 11 tells us this, verse 17. Speaking of Abraham, it says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. And even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham, listen to this, verse, verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Here's what we know about Abraham. He has no biblical record of God raising the dead. 
There's no Lazarus in his Bible. He's walking the story. What faith and trust with no record of God doing this before that he would reason to himself, God could even raise him from the dead. Such was his trust in the God that he served. And when you live and when you walk with God and when you have a revelation of Him as the provider, not just the provision. We get, we get so focused on the provision. He's the provider. Let me ask you a question. What was more important to Abraham? The fact that, that he received the ram or the fact that God spoke to him intimately and directed his ways? I think both. It's in the leading and it's in the intimacy. That Abraham trusts God through it all. Because God is able. God is able to supply my every need. God knows how to take care of my kids better than I do. For some of us, maybe you're holding on to them kids. There's, there's some stuff you're, you're holding on to. You've not withheld anything from me, he says to Abraham. What are you holding on to? I'm trying to control trying to jostle, trying to manipulate because you want the best for people and the best for out possible outcome that God wants you to release to Him. Because God's putting Abraham to the test. God's showing Himself that He can be trusted. In fact, the only time that God says in Scripture, test me in this, is when it comes to wealth and finance. He says to, to, to His people in, in Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 10 he says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it it's not just about finance it's about anything that we withhold when we withhold from God we're, we're not just robbing God we're robbing his church but ultimately we're robbing ourselves Abraham receives direct revelation from the God of heaven on a mountaintop that nobody else receives. And if he hadn't started the journey, he would have missed out. I don't know about you. I don't want to get to glory after I breathe my last breath and God say, I had so much more for you, Sam. But you stayed in Canaan where God had provided you a son and God had multiplied your household and it was safe. And there are moments and there were times, Sam, where I ask more of you. But you didn't want to sacrifice what you had. But there was so much more. I don't want us to be that kind of church. Do you? Oh, look at what God's done. That's awesome. We're celebrating. We'll thank Him. There's another test on the horizon. There's another call. There's another mountain. There's another journey you've got to make. There's another cost you've got to pay. And there's another discovery that you and me have got to make. I'll leave you with any thought today. So what are you holding on to that God wants? It's His life's his my family's his my finances his everything is his 
because he knows best. He can do far more in my life than I could ever do. Will you make the journey? Here's the beautiful truth as we finish and I guarantee this is the final finish. Here's the great truth. The story of Abraham and Isaac is an Old Testament reflection of Jesus himself. And there are many ways that you can interpret it. You could see Jesus as Isaac. But actually Jesus is the ram. The Bible tells us in Romans, it says the wages of of sin is death. They're due to our own contamination, our own wrongdoing, our wrong choices, wrong thoughts, impure motives. That that could cause separation from God. Some of you say, well, I'm not that bad. Listen, ask the person who lives with you. And they'll tell you. You're not as good as you think you are. Each and every one of us is sin contaminated. And the wages of that sin is death. In other words, you and me were laid on the altar. Our sin had bound us up. And the fire had been prepared. And due to your and mine wrongdoing, the knife was going to come down until God called out and he called you by name. And he says, don't let the knife come down because there's a sacrifice that I've prepared. And the ram, it was caught up in a thicket. This This sacrifice was nailed to a cross. He was caught up, nailed to a cross so that you could have forgiveness of your sins, so that you could be set free, so that you could be unbound. Imagine Isaac and he's feeling that day as he's unbound. He's been on the journey, but he's unbound and he is set free. And the ram is put in his place and the knife comes down and the the debt is paid for. That's what Jesus did for you and me we have an opportunity afresh today maybe I don't know whether you've ever responded to that whether you've ever said yep I want a living breathing relationship with God through what Jesus did for me in taking my place and dying for my sin it's an opportunity for you to make a commitment today maybe you've got off track and you've just started to become more obsessed with what God's given you than making the journey with him there are some things that you want to just let go of today say God you can do far more with my marriage than I ever could far more with my kids far more with my life I'll hold it tight I'll give it to you why don't you bow your heads close your eyes let's just create a moment some space if you're in here and you've never made that that's the end of this week's podcast we hope that it inspired you for any more information visit bravechurch.co.uk